Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know an episode that almost never saw the light of day. It's true. This episode you're going to hear today went through the longest QA period I think we've ever had with That's any episode. True. That's true, Matt. Yeah. Uh, just as a little behind the curtain, generally what we do after we finish an episode, one or more of us will listen back to the episode, give some notes. Uh, generally, there's nothing, but sometimes there is. And in this case, um, it's taken a couple of weeks for us to come up with... Um, some major decisions about this, even whether or not to release it. Right. Yes. Yes. As you said. So uh, let's get the badger out of the bag here. We recently spoke to an uh, incredibly controversial figure prominent in the world of conspiracy theory or fringe thought named David Icke. To his supporters or his fans or advocates, he is seen as 
a, a voice that speaks truth to power mm-hmm. in some cases, right? Uh, to his opponents, and there are many, he is considered either um, outright uh, too far afield, you know? Some people have used phrases like crackpot or something. Other people have uh, called him a virulent anti-Semite. This is a very, very big figure in this world, but this is also very much a controversial figure, so much so that we spend a lot of TLC going into the interview with concerns. And I'm actually not on this interview, um, which I guess was a good thing for the process because I was able to kind of take a step back and listen to it and come up with some some notes and some concerns that I had that we all ultimately shared. And we did a thing that I don't think we've ever done about an episode where we all sat down in a room and kind of proed and conned it out as to whether we should put this out or not. And we ultimately decided that because this gentleman looms so large in this space that we occupy that we're like talking about and our whole you know, concept behind the show is to present things open-mindedly. Um, we decided that it was probably a better idea and more of a service to our listeners to put this episode out and uh, let this man defend himself and speak what he sees as his own truth. And as as we'll hear, he's pretty articulate. Spoiler alert, we do not get to everything. No, right? there's no way. Uh, David Icke has been speaking and writing, gosh, since the 90s, the early 90s, mm-hmm. and at least on, on the particular topics that we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And just to that one point uh, that, that you both are making here, he is such a large figure in the space in which we occupy that there's a certain amount of um, – fascination, I think, at least for me personally mm-hmm. with, with David Icke, no matter what you or I think about him and his a lot of his views, uh, we hope that you find him as intriguing, no matter how you feel about him, as we do. And we wanted to try something, something a little bit different for us in the course of this interview. Longtime listeners, as you know, we often say that you are the most important part of the show. You, specifically you listening. No, not him. You. Uh, this, this is where the rubber hits the road in that regard. We're going to ask you if you would like to participate in a project with us. After you hear this interview, we'd like to start something on our Facebook page, Here's Where It Gets Crazy, where you can post the questions that you would like to ask David Icke. And if this is something that may be of interest to all of us listening, uh, we can attempt to arrange another interview wherein we ask those questions of him. Yeah, that's a great idea, Ben. So we, we hope you'll listen and think about those questions that you want to ask. Think about the concepts that you're interested in that you'd like to hear him talk about. And, and we'll do everything we can to, to make that happen. Or reactions to what you hear in this interview. That's great. And here's a pro tip to see just how long we held on to this interview and going back and forth on whether or not we should air it. You'll hear, you'll hear him drop some specific dates. One of the major reasons that we got to speak with David Icke is because he had a new documentary coming out called Renegade, and it was released on June 4th, and it is now uh, well into June. That's, uh, <laughs> how, that's how long it took. You know, if you look at it from a technical perspective, we've never been that far ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And to that end, when you hear David or us mentioning his movie, his documentary, Renegade, uh, in the past tense, just know uh, it should be the present tense. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so we want to give a big thank you to everyone listening, as always. Uh, and 
Noel, I especially want to thank you as well as you, Paul. You've probably had to sit through hearing different versions of this interview the most out of all of us. Uh, and Noel, I, I think you're right. Having having a distance to come in and evaluate it from that perspective is invaluable. So thank you. You're welcome, Ben, and I appreciate the opportunity. And one thing I do want to point out that hit me was this gentleman has a lot of work out there that you can read yourself if you so choose. He speaks about a lot of his ideas through the lens of empirical research and scientific data. I did not find that to be the case myself personally. Um, Maybe there's something I'm missing, but I would leave it to you to sort out what one man's opinion is versus what science and fact would support. Well said, Noel. And uh, here we go, everyone. David Icke. So for a brief bit of background here on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, since 2008, we have yes. been exploring some of the some of the questions that never make it to the mainstream, right, across yeah. a wide field. And – David, you are a prominent figure and have been in uh, the world that the mainstream would call uh, conspiratorial thought or research. Uh, but you have you have a journey that is far more complex than a simple point A to point B. Uh, you were known to some originally as as an athlete, right, a professional athlete, and to some still is that. You were known to others as a uh, an investigator who is not afraid of controversy, and to some critics, you have been uh, you've been an adversarial figure, at least in their eyes. What we would like to do today is to is to start at the beginning because I think a lot of our listeners are probably they're aware of your work, but they're not aware of your origin. So, could you tell us a little bit about about your early life uh, leading up to your athletic career? Well, yeah, I was born in um, a, a city in the English Midlands called Leicester in a working class uh, family. And um, we didn't have any money. And, uh, you know, you got by on what you had. And I went through the school system as it was in the 1950s. I was born in 1952. But my ambition as a kid was always to be a professional footballer. And a series of um, coincidences, bits of luck has been the story of my life all the way to the present day, really, uh, led me to be a professional footballer. And then um, I had to finish at the age of 21 with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I became a journalist and uh, worked in newspapers and radio and television. I became a national spokesman for the British Green Party, as well as um, being a, um, a sports presenter and news presenter with uh, the BBC. And then in 19... Um, 1990, my, my life changed. In fact, really started to change in um, 1989, if we're talking about, you know, paranormal happenings and what have you. When um, throughout 1989, whenever I was in a room alone, I was still a television presenter and a national spokesman for the British Green Party. I felt that I wasn't alone. It was like there was a presence there. And I was not into any of this stuff before, but it got more and more tangible throughout 1989 until um, in early uh, 1990, I was sitting on a bed in an empty hotel room working for the BBC. And this presence was so tangible that I actually said into the room, would you please contact me if there's something there? Because you're driving me up the wall. And uh, coincidentally, uh, a, a, another series of 
uh, amazing events, really. Um, it led me to a psychic um, after reading her book, and uh, I didn't tell her anything that was going on. I just, uh, you know, just told her that I wanted to see her and told her nothing else. And then um, she went into psychic mode. This is um, March 1990, and said, "You're going to go out on a world stage and reveal great, great secrets." And uh, that she said the presence that was talking to her was saying that um, I would uh, face enormous opposition, but they, whatever they is, would all be there, always be there to protect me. And that um, I would be guided to knowledge from then on. And sometimes, increasingly now, uh, knowledge would be put into my mind and I'd just know things. And uh, all I can say, we used to have an advert in on British television. Uh, and the, uh, the punchline was, um, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, well, what I was told in this psychic experience has since done exactly what it says on the tin, because that's exactly what's happened in my life. From that moment, my life became a synchronistic journey of um, walking into information, whether it's uh, contacts, people that knew things, whether it's personal experiences, whether it's books, whether it's documents, whatever. And it's gone on now for nearly 30 years. And that's basically how the information has been put together. Hey, David. Uh, so a lot of our listeners out there, they they find themselves in, uh, of, <laughs> in a, a place somewhere along the spectrum of, you know, extreme skeptic to a true believer, right? So there's there's this, oh, gosh, I, I just want to say there's a spectrum that a lot of our listeners find themselves on. So some people uh, listening to that story will uh, will hear you talking about going to a psychic who has a message for you that then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Some some will hear that as a true prophecy of what is to come. I'm interested to know if you if do you feel like it influenced you in a way that led you down this path or do you think it was a path that was already preordained in some way for you? Well, um the idea that I could create a self-fulfilling prophecy that would lead me all over the world and uh, meeting people I didn't even um, uh, arrange to meet, just coincidental, uh, apparently, uh, meetings over a period of 30 years uh, is stretching self-fulfilling prophecies to the limit where they would probably snap. You know, um, the control system of the human uh, family, human society, is control of human perception. Because from everything, everything comes from perception. Uh, what we do, how we perceive things, everything is perception. Behavior comes from perception. And what, we've, uh, what we're looking at is a, a lifelong download from cradle to grave, if people only get their information from the mainstream, the mainstream everything, as I call it, that is a download of a perception. And it's a very narrow band of perception, which uh, limits the sense of the possible and dismisses the almost entirety of possibility because it's so focused on what I call 
the postage stamp consensus, which is this version of normal that's taught in the schools that pounds out from the mainstream media 24 uh, seven, that uh, peer pressure is constantly imposing upon us. And what I've done is something very simple. It's, you know, it's not kind of uh, rocket science. I have let information be my guide, not preconceived idea, not all oh, that's not possible uh, because I can't perceive it's possible, but just let the information be my guide. And that's where it's um, it's taken me into this vast tapestry of information that I put together. And uh, the, the reason that so many people are now looking at my work is what was in my books in the 1990s, 94, 95, 98. Um, is happening. You know, I mean, that's one hell of a self-fulfilling prophecy that is. Uh, so, so people, what I say to people is, um, let's look at it this way. Um, according to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum is 0.005% of what exists in the universe. Visible light, which is the only band of frequency that we can actually see, everything else we can't see, is a smear of the 0.005%. According to the projected size of the universe by mainstream science, by comparison with that, uh, planet Earth is the equivalent of a billionth of a pinhead. Do you know, I feel it in my water, fellas. I really do, that there possibly is more to know than appears on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. I feel feel that. I, I know it's strange, but I do. It's uh, we, I think that's something that everyone listening can agree with. The sad truth of reality or perception or whatever you want to call it is that things take more than five minutes to explain, which I yeah. know I know local television anchors uh, hate to, yeah. to confront that in uh, more than a day to understand. I lived it. Yeah. Yes. I lived it. I lived it on the BBC. You know, you're trying to tell a story in some kind with some kind of substance. And it's like, oh, that's a bit long, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's up to three minutes now. Crikey. Uh, So this is this is the the lack of substance, the superficiality that holds people in this perceptual prison. Because you're quite right. You need time to explain things. Um, uh, And if you don't have it, then all you can deal with is the superficial. Okay, so let's go back to 1992. And uh, after your press conference, and then you do go on the, the the BBC, not for the first time because you've been a broadcaster. You have people are aware of you; they know what you look like. Um, but you go on uh, specifically on the Wogan show with Terry Wogan, and you you come out and you tell your truth that that your revelations, right? And uh, you know this has been documented so many times; it's been spoken about so many times. It's such a, a turning point. For, for you, you've discussed that in the past. A lot of our listeners know about that. But let's talk specifically about what that message was early on, the, the, first, um, the first communication, essentially, that you wanted to, to have with the world. Well, let's, um, uh, first of all, um, look at the, the run-up to how the Wogan Show interview came about and where I was coming from at that time. After um, I met the psychic, my life uh, started to change. Again, synchronicity, coincidence, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I left the BBC, not because I chose to leave the BBC, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, 
but because they they didn't want to renew my contract, which was strange because all I'd had was commendations up to that point. But it was a perfect time for me to leave in the in the uh, sequence of what was to come. And um, through 1990, I started writing a book called uh, Truth Vibrations, just about what was happening to me. And I didn't really know at the time, but my life was changing. It was getting very strange. And then in early uh, 1991, I, I had this overwhelming feeling to go to Peru. And uh, I got on a plane to Peru. I didn't know why I was going to Peru. I just had overwhelming intuition. I've got to be in Peru. This was the kind of thing that was happening then. And I got to Peru. And uh, over a period of three weeks, I was really only meant to be there for two, I thought. But over a period of three weeks, uh, again, a, an extraordinary series of coincidences led me all over the place. And in, eventually, I um, ended up at a place called Siyustani, which is an old ancient Inca site um, not far from uh, Puno on the, lake of, uh, uh, on the banks of Lake Titicaca, the highest navigable lake in the world. And uh, I, I was walking around this place, um, and uh, it was beautiful. But I had this really intense feeling I had to go there. But um, my experience when I was uh, there was was lovely. It's a lovely place, but it didn't match the intensity of my feeling I had to go there. So I, I got into the little taxi van with a Peruvian guide and the driver. You're a little bit disappointed, thinking, well, yeah, it was nice, but... Why did I have this feeling to go there? And um, uh, uh, just a literally minutes down the road, I'm looking out the window daydreaming. And uh, I uh, was looking at this hill. And as I looked at the hill, all I could hear going through my head repeating was come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. So I'm thinking, well, what the heck? And I asked the, the guy to stop the, the, the taxi bus thing. Um, and I said, I'm just going up that hill. I won't be long. Well, I was about an hour because of what happened. I got up the top and uh, I, um, I walked among these stones on, on this uh, hill. And uh, I'm looking out across Siyustani, which is a beautiful site, distant mountains and the lake and everything. And then um, suddenly uh, my, and I'd experienced this once before, uh, my feet started to burn and it, it was like my feet were being pulled into the ground. And then I felt an energy going in the top of my head and through my body. And, uh, of course, I'm all new to this, fellas. I, I don't know what's happening. I can rationalize it now with the, the 30 years of knowledge. But at the time, I'm thinking, what's happening to my life? Uh, and as I, um, as I was standing there and this energy was going through me, I heard uh, not, not a voice, but a very clear thought form that said, it will be over when you feel the rain. And I'm standing under a clear, cloudless Peruvian sky. I've got a big red nose to prove it at the time. And, uh, and then my arms went out at 45 degrees without me making any conscious decision to do it. And this energy then started to build and build until my body was shaking. And, you know, when you're driving a car and you, you, you lose two miles or so and you think, you know, what happened to the last two miles? Your subconscious has been driving the car, thank goodness. Um, it was a bit like that. And one of these times when I came back to, uh, to if you like, consciousness, um, I noticed that on the, in, across the distant mountains, some way away, there was a, a light gray mist. And as I watched it very quickly, it was almost like, um, you know, uh, putting a, a video on fast forward. And, and if you 
portrayed what followed in a movie, they'd say that's far fetched. That would never happen. Well, it did. And I watched this uh, of what was obviously a rainstorm over these distant mountains get darker and darker. And it started to come towards me. And um, in the end, by which time my body is just shaking with this energy, uh, I had a almost literally a, a wall of stair rod rain coming towards me. And um, eventually it hit me. I was soaked in an instant. It was so powerful. And the energy stopped. Uh, my legs were like Bambi. Uh, my arms were now agony, because though I hadn't felt them before, because they'd been in the air all this time. And um, what happened then is um, I, I, it, I described it like this. It's like um, some, you've lived in a bubble all your life, and uh, someone comes along and bursts the bubble without telling you. And suddenly, concepts, information, uh, perceptions are pouring into your conscious mind, uh, and you can't handle it. It's like pressing too many keys on a computer. The computer says, I'm going to freeze now. Thank you very much. I can't handle this. And th this is what I, uh, uh, kind of the, the state I was in for about three months, and the Wogan show was right in the middle of that. So um, when um, uh, after about three months, uh, the, 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 the computer unfroze, if you like, and I was I was the David Icke that uh, people recognized before people were saying to me, I thought you, you're supposed to have gone mad. You're the same David I used to know. Well, I was outwardly, but I wasn't, in fact, because now I was seeing, as they say about newspapers, you know, you don't believe the words. The real truth is in the white bits between them, you know. And uh, that's what it was like. I, I, instead of seeing um, uh, dots in terms of world events and happenings, I was seeing patterns. I was seeing uh, uh, not pixels. I was seeing pictures. I was seeing how they connected because uh, it's when you connect dots, when you connect the um, apparently um, random events, that's when you see they're not random at all. So in the middle of all that, when I'm trying to uh, get a grasp of what the heck's happening to me, and I'm in this three months of, of, of um, who am I? What's my name? Uh, all the rest of it. That's, that was when the Wogan show uh, appeared. But that was a, a phenomenal gift to me. Phenomenal gift because the prison that most people live in is the fear of what other people think. And what stops people giving their genuine opinions and their genuine views and saying what they really think is the fear of what other people think. And the mass ridicule, historic levels of it, that followed that Wogan show, where I couldn't walk down any street in Britain without being laughed at. I lived my life to the sound of distant and less than distant laughter. Um, was was the, the nightmare, you would think, but it was the gift that set me free. And some of the things I've talked about and written about since um, – Anyone that, that was concerned about other what other people thought of them would never have talked about that, never have written about that. But to me, I don't give a damn what people think about me. It's of no interest to me. It's, 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 it, they choose to see the world as they see it, choose to see me as they see it. Uh, but, but I choose to see me as I see me and not be influenced by, by, um, by what people think or what people say about me. So that was the great gift that set me free. Let's pause here for one moment. We will be back after a word from our sponsor. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up... So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. What's fascinating about this in particular is that it leads us to it leads us to a series of let's say two or three questions that are are forefront uh, from from this 
uh, this experience that you're describing. First, you know, the name of this show is Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. And one of the main questions that we get often is uh, we'll have people write in and say, well, who are they? Uh, for for us, uh, the, the nature of they or them changes depending upon what we're exploring. And typically what we're exploring is people, forces, groups, whatever you want to call them, who are controlling uh, some sort of narrative, right? The same way that um, petroleum companies prevented studies on pollution or certain types of pollution from coming out or the same way that tobacco companies prevented uh, research on the, the dangers of tobacco consumption for coming out. So, one thing that really, really interested uh, us when when you were describing uh, both your books earlier and your personal experience was this idea of uh, a hive mind. You've you've mentioned this before in earlier work of people, uh, you know, uh, people existing in perhaps an invisible psychological prison. And if we look at the internet as a hive mind, the most direct question we run into with that thought is, who then controls the hive? Well, uh, just very quickly before I go there, you bring up the hive mind. We are on the cusp, and people like Ray Kurzweil, uh, the Google executive, are openly talking about this because they're trying to put a positive spin on it. We're on the cusp of the technological hive mind, where AI is connected to the human brain through uh, technological connections. Um, And uh, people like Kurzweil even give a a time period of it of around 2030. Uh, So um, if if, um, uh, we have our, our brain mind connected to um, the cloud, as Kurzweil calls it, via AI, then um, what, what a fantastic uh, uh, description, uh, or what other description could you give that than a hive mind? They are seeking to turn humanity into basically a series of computer terminals on an AI um, uh, internet. In terms of, of they, it depends on what level uh, you, you want to go to. I mean, obviously, the questions that you're asking are the questions that I asked um, way back in the 1990s when I'm trying to understand uh, how things operate. These are the questions that I asked. Who are they? And uh, after 30 years of research, the, basically the world is controlled like this. And I would say this, that people you might look at people like me and say you see conspiracies everywhere. Okay, well, first of all, the definition of a conspiracy, dictionary definition, is basically two or more people conspiring to bring about a desired end, usually illegal. On that basis, the world's drowning in conspiracies. So let's get over this idea there are no conspiracies, which we're asked to believe. And by the way, uh, um, the term conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theory came into widespread use because of the CIA. Provable fact, the CIA um, put out a uh, a round-robin uh, request to major media in America in the 1960s when people who were questioning the Kennedy assassination were starting to make uh, ground in terms of people uh, seeing that maybe the full story hasn't been told. Oh, are you kidding? Um, and uh, they uh, 
urged these media organizations to use the terms conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theory to discredit those that were questioning the Kennedy assassination and other assassinations that happened in the 60s, of course, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and uh, Bobby Kennedy. So that's where it came from. And all these years later, without a clue where it came from, the mainstream media just parrot conspiracy theory and the question they never ask when they parrot it oh it's a conspiracy theory is a simple question which any mature intelligent person would ask okay but is it true and 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 if you uh, look at so-called conspiracy theories i mean look at so one so-called conspiracy theories in my books going back to the 1990s they've happened or are happening you know maybe that's another self-fulfilling prophecy maybe i've made that happen i don't know but in terms of they this is how the world is basically controlled and we can go deeper into this if you like once i've explained imagine a spider's web um and each strand of the web is a secret society a semi-secret group or organizations and agencies that we see in the the the, the world of the scene. At the center of the web is the spider, as I call it, and that's where this whole control agenda for humanity is coming from. The strands immediately around the spider are the most exclusive secret societies. Um, some of them don't even have names to make them harder to uh, track down, and they will be peopled overwhelmingly by those that the public will never have heard of. You then come out from the spider, still in the hidden, and you start to hit the secret societies that we've heard of, but we don't know what they do. The inner core of the Freemasons, Opus Dei, uh, the Knights Templar, uh, the inner core of the Jesuit order, uh, Knights of Malta, etc. And then you meet what I call the cusp organizations, which are groupings overwhelmingly known as think tanks where the hidden meets the scene. And these are the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, and so on. And then you go out from them and you're into the world of the scene. You're into governments, government agencies, um, cartels, corporations, banking systems, etc., media ownership. And in the world of the scene, the uh, decisions being made constantly impacting on the direction and nature of human society appear to be random but but actually the society changing transforming ones are coming from the spider that's where it's orchestrated from and that's why I, as I go around the world as I've been many many times in the last 30 years you see the same things happening at the same time and you see the same types of legislation being uh, introduced, often with the same excuses and sometimes even worded almost the same because it's being centrally orchestrated. If you think of a corporation, a global corporation, say McDonald's, um, they have a headquarters in the United States. But all around the world, you have McDonald's in the various countries. And they all are the same brand, the same nature. I mean, you go into a McDonald's in Russia or South Africa, it's the same McDonald's as in downtown Atlanta. Because that network, that global network of McDonald's is being centrally orchestrated. So they all look the same, they all act the same, they all basically respond to a central point. This is how this web um, works. So if you look at the oil industry, and the biotech industry and your Monsantos and your Bayers, et cetera. And you look at um, these other cartels like the pharmaceutical cartel. In the end, if you go deep enough 
into their structure, you'll meet the point where they attach to this web. The vast majority of people in these groupings will not be aware of what their cartel or their corporation is really about. But at one point, deep in the uh, in the uh, structure, it will attach to this web. And at that point, the pharmaceutical cartel, the oil cartel, the the biotech cartel, etc., are all controlled by the same force. And that's how it's orchestrated. Okay, so David, this is all this is all fascinating stuff, and it's it's interesting how, as Ben and I are, are listening to you, how we've covered a lot of the things that you would. Uh, that you've mentioned here as uh, parts of the web, you know, the varying uh, aspects of it. O- over the course of your career, you've had a lot of criticisms thrown at you. And, and one, of the, one of the primary ones that at least we've found in our research is, is that mentioning of this, um, even the symbology of the, the black spider at the center of the web and um, hearkening back to the protocols of the elders of, of Zion – um, that a lot of these beliefs, at least to some people's view who've criticized you, uh, appear to be anti-Semitic in nature in some way, at least the basis of the beliefs around which the, you know, some of the stuff you're talking about. Um, I, I just, I wonder how now in 2019, how do you respond to, to those critics? Well, I don't respond to critics. We're talking garbage. Let me tell you about my philosophy on life. My philosophy on life and the nature of life is that we are um, consciousness, we are awareness, we are a state of awareness. That's the I, that's the eternal I. And all the labels we give ourselves, whether they're Jewish or Muslim or atheist or or Christian or or Hindu or uh, black or white or um, whatever income bracket, whatever cultural background, these are not who we are. These are experiences that we're having. What we all are, whether we call ourselves Jewish or or Muslim or whatever, what we all are is the awareness, in the end, the same awareness, a different point of attention in the same awareness, having different experiences. So I completely reject as a self-identity all these labels, which are basically um, subdividing uh, all the time into smaller and smaller labels of self-identity, which what can be then what? Played off against each other to divide and rule the population. So I will not take lectures on um, uh, discrimination from those that fundamentally, whoever they are, uh, identify their I with their label and perceive everything from the filter of that label when I'm actually the one saying, actually, you know, we're all the same consciousness having different experiences, which is the ultimate in inclusivity, to use the word of the time. It's the ultimate in not discriminating between labels because I reject them all as, as, as a self-identity rather than an experience. So. That when, you, when you're coming from that perspective of reality and life and you are being accused of the very opposite uh, of what you are, then there has to be another reason for it. And if someone is um, revealing things, as I am, across a vast spectrum of information, um, uh, that um, the system in totality 
the call that I'm talking about doesn't want people to hear, then if you can't discredit them by having an open debate, and they won't debate with me, um, I've tried, um, you, then you you don't debate with them on what they're saying. You accuse them of um, uh, what they're saying uh, on the basis of lying about what they're saying. And that's, that's, that's basically what it is. I mean, explain this to me. Um, I've got a movie coming out in, on uh, June the 4th, just, what, four days from now, called Renegade, a story about my life, but also about my work. Um, in that movie, the word Jewish and Zionism is not mentioned at all. And yet, um, when there was supposed to be a premiere of that uh, movie at the Aero Theater in uh, Santa Monica, Los Angeles, a theater owned by an organization called American Cinematique, it was cancelled two hours before the, the film was supposed to be shown with all the upset and disruption and chaos that it caused for the audience because I was supposed to be anti-Semitic. The people that cancelled it have not seen the film. They don't know anything about me, but it was cancelled. Why? Because they were told what I'm about. I'm sure they were told what was in the film when nothing of the kind was in the film. You know, if you stood by my side um, over the last few years, you would realize, and probably I would think your jaw would drop, if you realized how easy it is to destroy someone's freedom of speech just by lying about them. And what we're looking at here is not a, a group of, of uh, organizations because uh, it's very coordinated, that are trying to stop discrimination against Jewish people. It's not about Jewish people. And I'll tell you uh, uh, one reason why. If you're a Jewish person and you criticize the government in Israel, you are going to get abuse from these same organizations on a scale that's much greater than even I get. Because it's easy to... Um, uh, dismiss someone and accuse someone and demonize someone as anti-Semitic, what actually, mean, actually means anti-Arab, by the way, um, when, when they're not Jewish. It's much more difficult to do that when they're Jewish people saying the same thing. So they get more flack and more abuse from these organizations than even I do. It's not about protecting Jewish people from discrimination. It's about protecting the Israeli government from criticism and exposure. And when you've got a movie that doesn't even do that, doesn't even talk about it, being banned um, on the grounds of uh, what they've been told about me, then you see how easy it is to uh, silence someone by lying about. But I don't care. I don't care. I know what I think. I know where I'm coming from. And that's all that matters to me. And if people want to lie about me, well, be my guest. But it ain't going to stop me. Absolutely. So two, two, uh, two important points here. Uh, first, I... I believe and hope that everyone listening to this episode can agree that the government of a country is not the people or the population of a country. Exactly. Uh, and furthermore, uh, one of the criticisms, uh, speaking of freedom of speech, uh, that, that we found cited in earlier interviews was an excerpt from, uh, your book and the truth shall set you free. I'd like to, I'd like to read this and hear your response to it. Uh, and, and to verify that this is, uh, this is your, your words, your speech. 
It is, quote, I strongly believe that a small Jewish clique which has contempt for the mass of Jewish people worked with non-Jews to create the First World War, the Russian Revolution, and the Second World War. Uh, this, end quote, this passage continues, and this is, this is one of the things that uh, we see critics citing when when they raise charges of discrimination and anti-Semitism, it sounds as if it, it sounds as if you've clearly established in this interview and other interviews that your opinion is that all people fundamentally are the are are the same, right? But in this this passage, I think is one of the things that critics immediately go to when they're when they're saying that you are. Uh, discriminatory or anti-Semitic? Could you could you respond okay. to that quote? Okay. Let, yeah. let, me, let me ask you. This, let me ask you this question, please. Um, if if I'd said that um, a small clique of Chinese people uh, were involved, or a small clique of Argentinian people, or a small clique of Australians, um, would that be a problem? No, it wouldn't. Um, so why is it a problem? Because they're mentioning Jewish people. You know, just take the the Russian Revolution. You see. What what's um, been happening is these uh, groups that ultimately answer to the Israeli government, not to Jewish people. They just claim to speak for Jewish people, use Jewish people as a, a, a front when uh, the Jew, like every other group of people, Jewish people is a vast spectrum of opinion. Um, and uh, when you um, when you look at the Russian Revolution, um, the. The documents have come out. They've been published in other books decades ago. People who've done scholarly research into the Russian Revolution and found that there was a fantastic um, ratio of Jewish people involved in the Russian Revolution compared with um, everyone else. Major, major ratio. Now, here's the other thing, is one of the things that happened after the Russian Revolution is that um, very large numbers of Jewish people in Russia were subject to programs, were subject to discrimination, were subject to violence. So um, how do you square that? Well, you square that by understanding that Chinese people do horrible things to Chinese people as well as nice things. And American people do horrible things to American people as well as nice things. It, when you take any group of people and you um, say this group is this, you are completely missing the point. You show me any group of people, any cultural group, any religious group anywhere in the world, and I'll show you nice people, I'll show you lovely people, I'll show you okay people, and I'll show you psychopaths. Why should um, any group of people be different uh, from, from that when it's all the same? So when you call out, in this case, what I would call psychopaths, um, you are, by definition, according to the propaganda, accusing that entire group of being a psychopath, which you're not doing. I mean, some of the, uh, uh, the people, uh, Jewish people, have suffered enormously from the actions of, of, of other Jewish people. So same with every other cultural group. But it, it's, um, and, and I, I will not be intimidated from delivering my truth and the factual research that I've done just because someone's going to hurl abuse and, and uh, mendacity at me. I won't do it. And I won't defend myself either. I've got nothing to defend myself for. 
if if you see yourself as a label and you perceive your label to be superior to all the other labels, then don't accuse me of racism because that's what you see around the world. So many people are trying to impose their label and what their label represents on everyone else. Why can't people just chill out and just, you know, if you want to be that and you live your life like that, go ahead. Good luck to you. Just don't impose it on everybody else. Whoever you are, whatever background you are. David, I was having a discussion with my wife last night uh, about a quote of yours that speaks to this, I think, really well. I'm just going to read really, really fast. If if you become mesmerized by all the labels, I am are this, I am are that, then that's how we get caught in the illusion. The labels are getting played off against labels, and the labels are at war with each other, while the few with their hands controlling the strings of all the bloody labels are laughing their socks off. And she and I both identified... Uh, strongly with that, just when you when you think about especially culture on the internet today and uh, the oppositions that exist, these binary systems uh, in almost everything where you are for or against this, for or against that, um, it's it's fascinating to me. And what I really want to get to is something <laughs> that, gosh, for for a decade now, for a decade now, roughly. Um, that I've been thinking about something that you've been speaking of, and it's the the binary system that exists within all the energy that exists in the universe. The uh, the concepts that you that you brought forth in 1991 that still I be- I believe, and I, I can't speak to you, but I believe these are still the same um, beliefs and uh, or at least beliefs of the energy systems that exist in the universe. The Godhead versus the the opposition power, the um, the Lucifer. I think you referred to it as uh, several times. But, well, that, that's what the secret societies refer to it as. Yes, Lucifer. Yes. That, that's their god. Well, I, I want to get back to um, – and I think my understanding on this is correct, uh, at least from, um, from what you've, you've said in the past. But it has something yeah. to do with the planet Saturn. Can you talk about that? Whoa. I mean that is such a massive subject and um, it needs so much uh, background for something that um, uh, uh, appears on first hearing to be – crazy to make logical sense that's why i go into it in the books in in detail and uh, with all the background but um let's just say that um saturn where it is now um i mean how how do ancient societies see it how do they see saturn how do they work out what saturn is or even if it's a planet or what whatever they, they couldn't uh, and yet again and again and again you find that ancient societies um worship saturn uh, how could they do that if it was where it is now? And there's been some tremendous research. There's a, a a whole scientific movement now, which is known as the electric universe, which um, looks at the electrical, electromagnetic nature of reality, but also encompasses um, the ancient myths about Saturn, because the myths about Saturn are absolutely phenomenal uh, in their number and their nature. And when they've been, um, there's a, 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 a particular um, uh, uh, guy who's done a tremendous amount of research on this. Um, when you break down these um, myths about Saturn, it's very clear they're not talking about Saturn as where it is now. They're talking about Saturn as where it was when the myths were created. And uh, it was a, a, a son of the Earth. 
Um, and we had a twin sun system, the one we see now, but also Saturn, which was much more uh, dominant in the um, Earth sky. And what followed was a cataclysmic, uh, uh, a cataclysm in the heavens, which is uh, uh, come down in the words of myth as the war of the gods in the heavens. Um, and uh, this is when, uh, if you follow the research, that, that Mars became a uh, what we now call a dead planet. And so many um, other um, uh, planets uh, went walkabout in this whole period. And the Earth um, nearly, nearly came to an end. There's a, a book I read a long time ago uh, by some researchers who basically looked at these ancient myths uh, of the cataclysm uh, that struck the Earth, which was this Saturn cataclysm and others involved. And they looked uh, against that in the same book at the geological and biological history and evidence of the earth. And they found that they correlated. There were just fantastic upheavals on the earth as there would be if what uh, uh, happened happened. And, um, and this is the, leads us to the myth of the end of Atlantis and Nu and Lemuria and these great civilizations disappearing under the oceans and all, all these um, the stories that come out through history. And when you go around the ancient um, or cultural native societies that have, have carried this ancient knowledge through the generations, uh, you find that they all have the same basic story of this period when uh, there was this war in the heavens and the earth nearly uh, came to an end. And um, so uh, that was the start of the story that I, that I tell in the book that, that led to where Saturn is now. And uh, again, when they're describing Saturn in its previous position, they do not describe rings. They don't describe uh, Saturn with rings at all, but just as a, a sun. And so where did the rings come from? And uh, so I go into that in the books as well. And uh, there have been some um, uh, scientists, uh, one in particular, who um, was a mainstream, middle of the road, um, you know, song sheet scientist who started to look at pictures coming back from the Voyager spacecraft that took pictures of uh, Saturn at quite close range in the 1980s. And then um, he started to see, even from those pictures, that the rings were changing and they weren't static and there was something malleable about them. And then when the um, Galileo um, uh, spacecraft uh, came through to Saturn in 2004 or something like that um he looked at their pictures of the rings and he saw phenomenal differences in them he also by the way saw um uh what he called electromagnetic vehicles vast electromagnetic fields um that um that were in the rings and and he's uh put pictures in his book he uh, uh produced a book called the ring makers of saturn some time ago um, he's in his 90s now. Um, and um, you see some what he calls exhaust coming out of this these electromagnetic fields that are actually making the rings and changing the rings. And, you know, I go into all this in some detail in, in the well, more, uh, great detail in the books. And when you do, you realize that um, Saturn uh, is uh, very different to what we've been told. And uh, the whole story of the solar system is very different to what we've been told, but fits uh, 
perfectly the ancient myths about what happened in ancient history to the earth and, uh, and human society. Let's take a quick break here. We'll be back with David soon. But for now, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up... So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, we're back. Man, David, okay. Uh, you you are you are famous for your le- for your lectures and the lengths of those lectures and how much you pack in when you're speaking on subjects. 
And uh, man, I, I heard as soon as you started answering that question, when you when you reacted with "Whoa, we hold okay, hold on, mm-hmm. we got to go into so much stuff here." Um, yeah, it's so, it's so true because uh, there's so much information that you have to build up upon. And really, honestly, David, that's what we do with this show. We try and build up on all these things, so then we can harken back to you know this episode that we covered this thing. Listen to that yeah. for background. Um, you know your your work. Uh, over everything that uh, is covered in Renegade, uh, the movie coming out with Orchard. It's just, there's so much there. And, you know, in the past, people get stuck on some of the things that you've said and and you get criticized for those things as people get stuck on the, what seemed, what's at least um, what people experience in their minds when they hear it as something like a reptilian, uh, you know, race of extraterrestrials or something like that. That's what sticks with people. Um, but there's so much to be discussed here. Um, can, can we talk just really quickly right before we end here about the stakes that we find ourselves in, um, both with regards to humanity, you know, as a species, but also with uh, our planet, Earth, and why is Earth – why is Earth – and the small little bipedal beings that walk around on it, why are those two things so important? Well, how important they are um, is relative. Um, Obviously, they're very important to us, um, but uh, like I say, um, it's the size of a billionth of a pinhead compared with the size of the universe. And uh, we should not forget, you know, people tend to see everything as it appears in the moment. And they solidify that into a view of how things are. Just to give you a, a, an example, until the 1920s, mainstream science believed there was one galaxy in the universe. Less than 100 years later, the latest highest estimate that I've seen from science is two trillion galaxies in the universe. So um, th- th- there's a great quote from uh, Socrates in uh, ancient Greece that's attributed to him anyway. Wisdom is knowing how little we know. That's what keeps your mind open to all possibility and stops it closing and coagulating and uh, becoming uh, concrete-like around a a very narrow perception of reality. Um, And where we are now is, uh, from a human point of view, a very, very critical period, as I've been pointing out for 30 years. You know, um, uh, people have dismissed what I've said in the past and laughed at it um, because it wasn't tangible to them. But as I said many years ago, you can only manipulate under the radar for so long to transform human society before you have to transform human society. And uh, it has to break the surface where people can see it. And we are big time there now. So if you look at just one level of what I've been saying all these years, that we were going to eventually face uh, the um, imposition of an Orwellian um, tyranny that would destroy freedom of speech and would not allow uh, official narratives to be challenged. Well, we are there now big time. And let's just go back to this uh, um, sequence again. Perception, which controls human behavior, comes from information received. You control information received, so they only see official narratives. 
you will impose um, perception and thus control behavior. And what we're seeing now with the Silicon Valley giants, in my view, all of which ultimately are controlled by the same force, it's why they operate in unison, um, we're seeing the systematic um, deletion of freedom of speech, increasingly, not even through human hand, but through AI, um, which is uh, increasingly controlling everything. Now, I've been warning about this for such a long time, long before uh, uh, people like Elon Musk, who has warned what a danger it is and then opens a company to advance it, which is kind of strange, huh. and starts, keeps putting satellites up to beam Wi-Fi internet at every inch of the planet, which is absolutely fundamental to this uh, technological control system that I've written about for so long. Because the idea is that you attach the human brain to um, AI uh, so AI becomes the human mind, it becomes human thinking, it becomes human emotional response. And to do that, you have to have what people like Kurzweil call the cloud everywhere. Otherwise, you can't attach people to it. And this is why we're seeing this um, explosion of satellites going up, pounding the uh, uh, Internet at every inch of the earth. That's what they want eventually. They want more than 20,000 satellites up there. We're now even seeing astronomers complaining in the last few days about the fact that they're destroying the night sky with these things. There's so many. Well, they've seen nothing yet. And, and Elon Musk is right in the middle of it. And I would love to ask him how he squares AI could be the end of humanity with what he's doing, which is allowing that uh, process to happen. It's very, very strange. He's either bewildered or he's kidding us somehow. Uh, but the, the, the thing is that we're now having, and particularly you, but all of us in the end, particularly you in America, are now having this 5G rolled out without any tests whatsoever and without any independent uh, studies uh, funded by uh, government or anyone else to uh, see what the uh, consequences are, not just physically, but psychological of this um, this 5G millimeter frequency band, which is actually a weapon. It's, been, it's come out of the military. You know, the, the American military and uh, law enforcement, they have uh, trucks that they use to scatter crowds. Uh, they drive them up, you can see them on the internet, and then they unleash this frequency. And the frequency is decoded by um, the skin of the protesters because the human body is actually an antenna. Uh, the cutting edge of science has been aware of that for a very long time. And the people feel their skin is on fire. And what do they do? They scatter and they run. That technology uses the same band of frequency as 5G, which because it doesn't travel as far as, as, as what we've had up to this point, and you can't use um, big transmitters transmitting a long distance, they are going to have to put, they are putting across America as I speak, boxes, little boxes on lamp standards, etc., along this every street to beam this stuff out, like in front of children's bedrooms, etc. And the reason they're doing it without testing is because if there was testing, as some independent scientists have come out and said this is a, a potential catastrophe for the human race, then it wouldn't be allowed to play out. So you don't test it if you know you're going to get the wrong result. And the whole foundation of 5G is to uh, empower something called the smart grid. 
Um, and the smart grid is the reason that almost everything that comes out these days is called smart, smart this, smart that, smart meters, smart cars, smart TVs, etc. It's because all these smart concepts and smart technologies are designed to connect and communicate with each other. And the idea is to create, uh, we're talking about smart cities now, they're, they're starting to be built, where that entire city is controlled by AI. This is fascinating because uh, we're touching now on the present into the future. And what I appreciate, what I, what I appreciate you mentioning is something that may not have occurred to many of our listeners before hearing what you just said. So just to reemphasize what you're saying here, we are entering, we already exist within an Orwellian networked world. And this touches on, this touches on multiple things, you know, it touches on the, uh, extinction of an ownership society into a service economy. It, it enters into the extinction of privacy, right? If privacy still exists. It's All of it's connected, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think most of our fellow listeners would, would want to know uh, is given, given your history of uh, accurately, in some cases, accurately predicting uh, events from from your earlier work, such as the child abuse cover-ups uh, that exist and continue in the United Kingdom and abroad, uh, as well as predictions regarding a surveillance state. I believe the UK has the uh, highest density of CCTV monitoring in, in yep. the world. Uh, yep. What, what uh, observation, advice, prediction, uh, even words of encouragement would you have uh, for people who have listened to this episode and are thinking, for lack of a for lack of a better phrase, pardon my French, holy shit, what do I do now? Right. Well, uh, maybe I could just briefly explain um, how you can predict the future um, in relation to what we've been talking about. Um, there are two worlds operating in the same world, and these two worlds have very different levels of information. This is why so much information is suppressed from the, the, the reality, the world that the mass of the human population lives in. Uh, this uh, cabal uh, and its networks operate from a very different level of knowledge. It's knowledge that is kept from um, the rest of the population, and it's passed on through the upper echelons of the secret society network through the generations. And they don't want us to know that. What people like me do is go in search of it. And so if you um, are in that other world, uh, which is much more advanced in its knowledge and knowledge of technology, knowledge of how reality works, knowledge of how to manipulate human psychology, then you can project a future agenda, a future sequence of happenings to transform human society, which are not known about in the mainstream of human society. But if you can, through research and sweat and hours, um, uncover that, then you can predict the future. Because what you're actually doing is not so much predicting the future per se, but predicting or revealing the sequence of events that this agenda has in mind for humanity. 
And if nothing intervenes to stop that sequence unfolding, which is the whole point of what I do to stimulate that uh, intervention, then it will unfold. So now we can start to understand why Aldous Huxley could be so phenomenally accurate in Brave New World, written or published in the 19, written and published in the 1930s, in terms of current events involving drugs and genetics and technology. Uh, we can now understand why um, George Orwell, real name Eric Blair, um, could be so phenomenally accurate with his book in 1948, 1984, and why someone that I have quoted at length in my last but one book called Phantom Self, he was a, a, a doctor called Dr. Richard Day, a big time Rockefeller family insider. And in 1969, no one knows why he did this, but I'm glad he did. Um, he was addressing a, a group of pediatricians in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1969, and for some reason, he asked people to turn off recording equipment and not to take notes because he was going to tell them how the world was going to change because basically what he represented was going to change it. And he reeled off um, a long list of things that were going to happen in the world. And when you read them, 1969, because one doctor called Dr. Lawrence Dunnigan did take notes and later he started to talk about it because he was realizing that the world described by day in 1969 was happening. Richard Day described in 1969 the internet and how it worked. He said in 1969, we are going to make boys and girls the same. He said in 1969, we are going to have mass movements of people from cultures to culture to break down cultures all over the world. Uh, and this was 1969. So how is that possible? Because if you are part of or can research into that projected agenda operating in the secret society networks, you can predict the future. That's how it's done. That's why my books have been so accurate in predicting the future. They've just been saying this is what's planned by this agenda. And the idea is to intervene in it. And, and, and what we need to do, first of all, in fact, primarily, is deprogram. You know, people talk about um, uh, waking up. People must wake up. What does that mean? It means deprogramming from the perceptual programs that we've been downloading from cradle to grave. You come out of the womb. Your parents are immediately in influencing your perceptions from the perspective of the sequence you're about to go through. You, at a ludicrously uh, um, young age uh, now, you've only just arrived, you're into the education system, as it's bravely called. And for the rest of your formative years, you are given um, the system state's version of everything and reality of uh, how things are, how things aren't, of history, of everything. And also through that same period, you are being prepared psychologically to obey authority for the rest of your life without question. They tell you from the earliest age when you can talk, when you can eat, when you can go to the toilet um, in, in, in the, the school system. These are all psychological preparations. And then you go out into the world, peer pressure around you, people who've been through the same programming sausage machine that you have and bought the uh, the uh, the uh, the program bought that 
version of normal. They then put pressure on you if you want to break out of it. They ridicule you or, or condemn you or whatever. The mainstream media is pounding out that same version of reality the, um, all the way through your life. Mainstream science is coming from the same perception of normal. So is mainstream medicine. So is mainstream everything. And, and, and so if all you've basically heard is one set of uh, facts, norms, whatever, you are very likely to believe them. This is why uh, Muslim people overwhelmingly come from Muslim families and, 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 and Christian people come from Christian families, etc. Hindu families, uh, people come from Hindu families because as they were growing up, that's the belief system they heard about. So it be, they, they absorbed it. This is what the system does. And what people need to just do is just stop and say, why do I believe what I do? Um, am I really saying that although I live within um, a smear of 0.005% of the universe, um, all I need to know is the tiny band of possibility that I've been taught through the school system that I read in religious books. I mean, it's ridiculous. You've got the entirety of possibility uh, um, in, in the great uh, forever of uh, infinite reality. And yet we are confined to this narrow band of frequencies, which is the only frequencies we can see. And, and we believe that a few people called authority within this tiny band of frequency are telling us all we need to know. It's nonsense. And if you're in authority and you want control, you, you, you tell people to believe what will allow you to have that control. Therefore, you um, control by control of information. What we need to do to escape from that is to stop believing these these norms that we've been uh, uh, pressured to believe in and start to open our minds to other possibility. And when you do, and I know this from people I've spoken to and people have read my books all over the world, when you have access to these to to other uh, um, explanations for the world, they make more sense than what people have been told up to this point. And, and, and your mind starts to flow and you start to stop seeing pixels and things in isolation and you start to see how everything connects. But you've got to let your mind open. Otherwise, you can't do it. And that is that that idea of a larger picture is perhaps uh, a good positive analog to the web described earlier. Uh, everyone listening to this show is well aware that the best way to learn about something is to read multiple views on it. And, exactly. the, and the biggest thing that any individual or group can learn about is the nature of this wild ride that we call reality. David Ike, thank you so much for your time with your time with us today. Now, I speak for many people in our audience who are right now yelling at their phone or at their uh, at their computer or however they hear this because 
I'm sure that there are dozens and dozens of things that we were not able to get to today. However, uh, we do want people to know that they can uh, learn more about your work through your multiple books, through your upcoming film. That's right, Renegade, and also through your website, through your YouTube channel, all these things. Uh, Can you just tell our listeners where to learn more and where to watch Renegade? Uh, Well, um, davidike.com is the kind of uh, focal point. Uh, There's an enormous library of information and videos that I've done um, on davidike.com. Renegade, the details of where to see Renegade are all on davidike.com. It's it's out very shortly um, on uh, June the 4th. And um, I, I've been very, very encouraged um, that uh, people in the premieres have taken friends along who know nothing about my work, and they've been really gobsmacked by what they've seen. Because it's it's a story about my life, yes, but uh, only up to a point. It's really uh, the information that I'm putting out, and I'm very pleased with what the uh, what the film company uh, have done. I mean, I've had no input into it apart from you know uh, they fly on the wall filmed me. Uh, but um, I'm very pleased with um, with what they've done. And um, uh, I've got another book coming out in um, in uh, September uh, called The Trigger. And uh, if people think um, I've been um, controversial up to this point, well, strap in because that one uh, trumps them all in many ways. Well, we certainly hope you'll come back to uh, speak with us about that, David. Oh, I'd absolutely love to, yeah. Oh, thank you. And uh, that is our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'd like to hear from you, of course. You are the most important part of our show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can email us directly. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.